Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Dr. Keisha Ewers. And Dr. Keisha is board certified in functional and Ayurvedic medicine, a doctor of sexology, psychotherapist, family practice advanced registered nurse practitioner with a specialty in integrative medicine, and the founder of the Academy for Integrative Medicine Health Coach Certification Program. Dr. Keisha has been in the medical field for over 30 years. After conducting the HURT study in 2013, Healing Unresolved Trauma, she developed the HURT model for understanding how past childhood trauma impacts adult health. This led to the creation of the You Unbroken online program for patients to heal their own trauma. You're about to meet my friend, Dr. Dr. Keisha, and I know you're going to love our conversation. By searching for answers, she was not only able to heal some lifelong traumas and illnesses, she's helped so many others do the same. If you're struggling with a chronic illness, resentment from a betrayal, a negative mindset, and more, Pay close attention to what Dr. Keisha is about to share. Here we go. Okay, everybody, you are in for such a treat because we have my friend, Dr. Keisha Ewers here, and she's going to be talking about how betrayal relates to genetics, brain health, chronic health, hormones, relationships, and so much more. We have so much to cover. Let's get right to it. Welcome, Dr. Keisha. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Debbie. It's just such a great platform you have here to talk about such an amazing subject where everyone has to get healed from this. There's not a person that hasn't had this experience of being betrayed. So It's so true, right? Whether it's a family member, partner, friend, self, you know, it's, it, you're, you're so right. It's, it's not certainly uh, something that we don't understand. But, and I know you have a story as well. Can we start with your story? Sure. I, uh, you know, I work a lot with, with people with autoimmune disease and, and people with autoimmune disease always think their bodies have betrayed them. And that's, that's exactly how I felt about it when I was diagnosed. So I used to be a um, intensive care unit nurse. That's when I started out at 19 years old as a nurse, I went straight into like the I was a skydiver and a marathon runner, and I went right into getting into helicopters to go rescue people out of the mountains and, and the intensive care unit. I was just a high adrenaline junkie. I had four children. I was raising them. I felt like I had a very good life. I was very happy. And then this is the way my patients describe this too. Just, uh, just after I was 30, all of a sudden, I got mm-hmm. sick, right, which is absolutely inaccurate. My body had been sending me signals for over a decade and I had just popped pills to keep it at bay, right? Lots of Advil when my knees would hurt or I'd get plantar fasciitis and I would again take more Advil, you know, and just ran right over the top of it. Accutane And before you even, yeah, I was going to say, even before you go on, give give us an overview because we do get messages all the time. We do. And we ignore them. So was it just I had repetitive um, strep throat. So had those tonsils out, you know, like, no, we can't have that, right? And then uh, when I was pregnant with my fourth child, I was getting a lot of gallbladder pain. So as soon as I had her, where'd my gallbladder go? In the garbage. So, you know, it's just like anything that was painful or slowing me down had to go. And that's kind of the way Western medicine operates, right? We, we are symptom managers, so we match pill to ill. And if it's getting in the way of productivity, which is what our society rewards, 
then we do something about it, right? Nike, no pain, no gain, just do it, right? And so that's actually exactly how I operated my life. And then my body said, I'm out. I've been trying to talk to you all these years and, you know, your caffeine-fueled uh, 15 to 26-mile runs, I can't do this any longer. And I woke up one morning and I had gained 10 pounds of just puffiness all over my body. My joints were red and inflamed. And my friends used to call me the energizer bunny. So I had a lot of ego um, identification with having a strong body that could go forever and do anything. And so, you know, it was like someone had taken the batteries out of the energizer bunny and I couldn't move. And, and I have to, again, I want to stop you there because, you you know, here's a really big trap. When you're getting rewarded right. and you're getting all of this praise right. from going and doing, which I know so many people listening to this podcast, they, they're doing, they're going, they're, they're getting so much accomplished. Right. We feed off of that, but it's not we without do. a price. And it sounds like that's exactly what, what was going on with you. Well, it's not a great place for your worth meter. I call it your worth meter. I always say your worth meter needs to be on the inside, not on the outside, so that everybody else has to feed it for you or anyone can detract from it with their words or their actions. So my worth meter was definitely on the outside and had a great deal to do with how I showed up in the world, what I look like, you know, what, what I was accomplishing was so important to me. And so, you know, when I was, when I got into the doctor that day, when I had been flattened out, uh, she asked me a few very relevant questions about my family history and said, you know, is there any family history of autoimmune disease? And I said, yeah, I think my grandfather had it. So my grandfather died around the same age I am now. I'm going to be 55 in just a few days. And he was wheelchair bound for a long time with rheumatoid arthritis and was a very sick individual from all, I, I never really knew him. And <laughs> You know, when she, when she heard you know, that my grandfather had had rheumatoid arthritis, she said, well, that's what you have. And then she kind of just closed the book on the whole thing, right? She said, here are two prescriptions for you. One's for a stronger non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug than Advil. And then the other is for methotrexate. Take these. And then the clincher was for me, for her to say to me, when you get worse, come back, not if. And I just remember saying, hang on a second, <laughs> whoa, 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 you know, I make all my own food, I'm very disciplined, what else is there? And her saying, you know, you drew the short end of the genetic lotto, my dear, I'm sorry. And clearly, you know, that was it. So on my way home, I remember thinking there has to be something different out there. And so when I got home, I started looking up where we keep all of our, our scientific literature on PubMed and CBI, and I found... Um, an article that had some positive results and outcomes for people that practiced yoga that had autoimmune disease. So the next day I was in my first yoga class. Now, mind you, this yoga studio, I'd never been to yoga before. In fact, I called mm -hmm. my friends, my running partners, and I said, I'm going to a yoga class in the morning. I've <laughs> never hung out with people that chant before. I'm really, really scared. I mean, I was so conservative. Right now, you can see Tibet, yeah, you know, Tibetan prayer right. flags in my background, right? I mean, it's just a different life altogether. <laughs> it's so beautiful. But I have to stop you again because there was that moment where you, you, know, you were told, this is it. This is as good as it's getting. And the fear could have taken you down 
and that could have been the end of it. What what was it that made you say there's there's got to be something else, and I need to find out what that is because there's you clearly had two options right then. I had four children, and I always tell my patients this: you know, you really do have to find your why. And I didn't, they were used to a certain level of mothering for me that was very, very hands-on. And, you know, we had fun Friday together. We had marvelous Monday, terrific Tuesday. I mean, I really was kind of super mom, which was also another problem. And so I knew that the big thing for me is I didn't want to take myself out of my children's lives, that they wouldn't understand. It would be a trauma for them as well as a trauma for me. And so. I've always been one that wanted to look at every single option that there is. When I trained for my first marathon, I studied a bunch of different ways of doing it. You know, I I just always have been like that, very academic. And so I went after it from an academic perspective. What does science have to say about this? Because I think there must be different roads to the top of this mountain. I was also a hiker. So, I mean, I just, I just kind of looked at it as a map that I was trying to navigate and had not ever been in the terrain before. So therefore start studying it, you know, and that's how I really attached myself to my way out and it worked. And, you know, when I I got to my first yoga class, he, the yoga teacher said a few words about Ayurvedic medicine in that first class. It was just enough to intrigue me that when I got home, I looked again for the science behind Ayurveda. And I found some really interesting information that changed my life forever. And one of the things that it said was, first of all, that we're not all the same, which was Mm -hmm. revolutionary to me because I'd been used to IV pushing drugs in an ICU in, you know, dependent on what the symptom was, not who the person was in the bed, which meant there are all kinds of different outcomes. And we couldn't understand that, you know, in a cookbook style medicine, the cake should turn out if you do this and this and this. And yet we have this litigious society where everyone's suing people because we don't get those expected outcomes in every single person, nor should we, according to Ayurvedic medicine, because we're not all the same. So that was like really different for me, you know, to kind of change that to, oh. And then the second thing that shifted. And and even, yeah, before you get to that, the little bit I know about Ayurvedic medicine is, I remember reading about it, that there are these main body types. There are three, is it three body types? And then you could be combinations. And I remember thinking too. Everyone's combination. Right. That's so interesting. We are, you know, we're not all the same. There are these major types that need different foods Mm -hmm. and, and a different approach to different things. And I thought that was fascinating. You and I have the same primary. We're Pitta people, which means we're fire. And that means that we do look for answers. We don't stop until we find it. You know, we are, Pitta people are very intelligent people, but they can also be very judgmental. And they can be very acerbic and acidic when it comes to, you know, they'll judge and criticize themselves, but then it can leak on over everybody else if they're unaware. And so that fire can cause inflammation in the body. And so one of the things that I learned, well, and our differentiation is I'm Pitakapha and you're Pitavada, which means you have a lot of air and space in you and I have more of that earth. So our body frames are very different. And so people in the United States, you know, they'll look, they'll go through the grocery store checkout line and they'll see the front of the Cosmopolitan magazine and they'll all want to look like that. But in fact, we have these different frames that absolutely cannot look the same, you know? And so Mm -hmm. that, 
that was really beautiful also. And then the, the really big clincher for me of why I got sold on Ayurveda in that minute was because it said that autoimmune disease is undigested anger. Wow. And so I've never actually thought in terms of digesting emotions and experiences and memories and didn't realize that that was even a thing nor mm-hmm. that it was possible, nor that it was required. And that if you didn't do it, it would sit in your body and create problems. You know, we all, we all are familiar with small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, you know, these little bacteria in your small intestine that won't let your food digest. Instead, they putrefy it. It rots in there. That's mm-hmm. actually exactly what happens. We don't digest our memories, experiences, and feelings. They rot in there, right? And they create inflammation. So that, I I just remember hearing, reading that and sitting back and going, wait a second, I am not an angry person in getting kind of angry about it. And then, (laughs) you know, just kind of looking at the irony of that and saying, well, mm, hmm. and then, and then saying, oh, maybe you need to learn how to access that anger and then express it. You know, maybe the fact that you do think you're not an angry person means that you're stuffing a lot of anger, which is exactly what was happening. And so when I learned how to meditate, which was also radically brand new for me, one day I was thinking about this word autoimmune and I realized I was attacking myself and in fact, killing myself and in fact, committing suicide in a societally acceptable manner. And I started thinking about that really deeply and thinking, well, when's the first time I wanted to die? Because I certainly don't right now. And I just followed this little, I call it the golden breadcrumb trail back in my timeline until I landed on this 10-year-old little girl version of myself who was being sexually abused by the vice principal of my elementary school. And I remember looking at that little kid and going, oh, she wanted to die she really wanted to die because she didn't have words to explain what was going on. She didn't understand why it was going on. She was being told because she was a bad kid, but she couldn't figure out what she was doing wrong, you know? And Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. I got it. I just went, this has to have something to do with this disease I have today. I know it's been 20 years, but this has to be connected. And sure Mm -hmm. enough, science tells us that that's true. And so, you know, that, Within six months, my RA was gone because I actually went after it in the same pitta way that, you know, I went after finding answers. I was like, okay, let's, let's take this on. <laughs> let's go ahead and, now, you know, right. heal this trauma, right? Did, did you think at the time, or, or not maybe when you were 10, but after that, that you were working through that somehow? Or did you just um, we My dad away? was in the Navy, and so we moved you know, and, and we moved away from the situation. And that was that, you know, just never, I I remember trying to tell my mom, and I tried to tell the teachers at recess one day, probably a couple of times. And they just told me to get my little white trash butt back in playing, you know, I, I was one of, I think, two or three white kids in school. And um, it was definitely racially motivated. I was called white trash by the vice principal. And um, told that, you know, this was, I deserved it and all, all kinds of things, you know, that happen in racially motivated crime. So no matter which direction it goes. And, you know, so then we moved away from that area. And then it, 
it was no longer right. And so I didn't, I, at the time that it was happening, I didn't know how to talk about it. And so I certainly didn't want and didn't know how later, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so true that things that happen uh, when we're younger just really impact mm-hmm. our, our health, our wellness, our lifestyle, which brings me to the ACE study. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? So the ACEs study, the Adverse Childhood Experiences study was conducted between 1995 and 1997 by Kaiser Permanente and the Centers for Disease Control. And it was done because Kaiser had this weight loss program that was very, very successful. And yet a lot of people before they reached goal weight, even though they'd successfully been losing weight, were dropping out. And the clinic director started investigating this and asking what was going on and found out that most of these people that had dropped out had been sexually abused in childhood. And so that started some head scratching. And so he collaborated with the Centers for Disease Control and they did the largest study of its kind, over 17,500 participants that were all Kaiser enrollees. And they asked questions about 10 different kinds of abuse and neglect that you could think of as like capital T trauma, right? They're the ones that when you hear the word trauma, you usually think of these things. So sexual abuse, physical, domestic violence against your mother, and you witnessed it, Um, uh, emotional, psychological abuse and neglect, having a parent addicted to a substance, having a mental illness, incarcerated or dead, divorced, Mm -hmm. you know, all of these big things that happen for children. They said, if you check the box on any one of these before you're the age of 18, that counts as one. So you have what's called an ACEs score as you add those up. I have an ACEs score of two to three, depending on how I view it. And what that means then, and if you have an ACEs score of two or more, you have a a far higher frequency of landing in a hospital with an autoimmune disease and Mm -hmm. cancer and any of the other chronic illnesses that we see as well as behavioral issues like a lack of of self-care self-neglect self-forgetting um sexual promiscuity uh stis genetic alterations and brain changes so we can you know we can look at that and in my book solving the autoimmune puzzle i give the aces quiz and then i say so now you know your score so now It's not meant for you to look at that and say, this is why this is happening and rest there. It's meant to be information so you can say, okay, now I can actually change these outcomes because you can. And that's the beautiful part. Like you can go in and you can start healing these early beliefs and and outmoded ways of thinking. So I also conducted the, the healing unresolved trauma study, the HERT study in 2013 And what it did was it explained why the ACEs study came up with the results it did. So it tracks, and I I usually use my own story to help you track it because it's so easy. So you'll you'll have when you're, before you are 26 years old, your brain's not actually fully developed, right? The prefrontal cortex part, the part that's the adult part that makes decisions about who you're going to hang out with, who you're going to marry, how you spend your money, what you eat, all that stuff is here in this first prefrontal cortex part. That's your adult executive function, not there until you're 26. So all the experiences that you have leading up to 26 years old are actually registered and stored in the hippocampus without that filtration mechanism. So when you're a kid, you're going to have, remember your 
you're a little being trying to figure out how to be a big being in a world that's run by big beings, right? And so mm -hmm. there are all kinds of different experiences you're going to have that you won't be able to understand. And unless you have by your side, 24-7, a well-attuned, well-adapted, well-attached caregiver to be able to help you navigate those things, then you're going to make up meanings that fit your level of development and your brain function. So none of and, us... And, and think about, it, you know, it's coming from the lens of, of these big beings that don't have right. the best whatever, you know, they're not working with a, a full deck. Exactly. And they have so their own trauma, of, right? Right. And right. so when you think about it in this way, then you, you can go back and you can understand why you made up the meanings you made up to certain experiences in your life. So there's also lowercase t trauma. The capital T trauma is the stuff we just talked about. And then there's lowercase t trauma, which you could think of as mini betrayals, right? That feel very maximum when you're a child. One day I have three friends on the playground. The next day they're all laughing and talking about me and I don't have them as friends anymore. And I don't know what happened. Mm -hmm. I just got kicked out of the girl tribe, you know, and that happens all the time nowadays with social media. And so mm -hmm. these are big betrayals and also they're registered in the mind of the child in such a way that actually is a threat to survival. And yet they're considered little T traumas. And they happen day in and day out, you know, who to sit with in the cafeteria. The lunchroom is like this jungle, right, of social mm -hmm. uh, norms that you usually can't read <laughs> very well, right? And so when these sorts of things are occurring, we're registering and making up meanings about them as we're going. So my particular one, so what will happen is you have these experiences that you can't understand. Then you're going to have a feeling about them, an emotion. Now, for me, it was fear, and I'm even going to say it was abject terror after the first time, right? Mm -hmm. And so the little speaker in the corner of the classroom would go off, could be for the Pledge of Allegiance, it could be for announcements for the day, or it could be to call Keisha Ewers up to the principal's office, which was very infrequent. But mm -hmm. every time the speaker went off, I went into fight or flight or freeze. It was actually mm -hmm. freeze. And I would clench my pencil and I would be like a scared rabbit, right? Panic. So it's Pavlovian, right? Mm -hmm. I was Pavlov's dog. And what will happen in that moment is you register the emotion. It's in a, it gets stored and wired into a part of your body. Mine was in my gut and my heart and my throat. And then you have this wiring that goes there, and then you get a, an autonomic nervous system response, and I already said mine was freeze. Then mm -hmm. from there, you're going to make up a meaning the first time it happens. So for me, it was, hmm, I don't think I can trust adults. <laughs> mm -hmm. The adults in charge don't really seem to have my back here, right? Right. So then comes a belief system that comes from that meaning okay the meaning is i'm not really safe with these adults the belief is i have to actually be perfect to even survive so then the behavior is perfectionism and oh my mm -hmm. goodness was i good at it so you know because it, my survival was based on it so when i went all the way through my 20s popping out kids and doing what i did you know to get my needs met and to get responses of respect, love, admiration to get my little worth meter to go up. It was all done perfectly. 
And so, of and it's exhausting. Course, it's it's so exhausting. exhausting. And the body mm-hmm. cannot sustain that, nor can the mind, nor should it, because the ego at some point has to turn and be able to witness itself and realize that the frame that was created in that moment of trauma needs to be revisited, which is what the role of disease, divorce, having your husband having an affair, being fired from a job, having a special needs child, having a child die, a mother die, a father die, like all these moments that are so challenging that you think you don't have the skills for them. That's the moment, right? That you're being called by life to up your skill level, to find a mentor and to start to reframe whatever it was, because whatever you're doing right now is clearly not going to be enough to show up with and probably might've gotten you in the trouble that you're in in the first place. And so, you know, that, that willingness to confront the self is what's in the hurt model. It's that moment. So I always, I have this, this model that says, here's what first happened, then it bifurcates. And now you have a choice point. You have a choice about whether or not you're going to self-confront. And if you don't, so the middle of that maladaptive memory looping says you just ruminate on all your automatic negative thoughts that you've always had. You keep going the way that you're going. You're hypervigilant. You don't trust, you're, you know, all of those. And then you're mm-hmm. going to get sick, guaranteed. Over here, it says if you have the willingness to self-confront and start going in and questioning your own thoughts, having engaging in self-inquiry, doing trauma work, really up-leveling, right, forgiving. And the forgiveness process that I teach is not – just lip service for forgiveness. We can talk about that if we have time. It's really fascinating. I would, I would love to, because, you know, and, and I talk about, you know, in my study, there were the five stages and this is, it's that classic stage three where it's, you're, you're surviving. You found a way to survive, but you're so deep rooted in that story and all the benefits that you're getting from it. But it does take that willingness to say, even though uh, I'm surviving and even though I'm getting these small self benefits, if I'm willing to take that other uh, step here in this different direction, it could lead to my freedom, my health, my everything. So tell us what you did to do that. And then I would love to know uh, more about your model of forgiveness. Yeah. So I do something called the freedom framework. It's what I teach from now where I always think about everyone as their own unique puzzle and you have to solve your own puzzle. So everyone's a little different. There's not going to be one methodology that works for everybody in just the right order. But what I do say is you have your own genetics. So these are the corner pieces of your puzzle. You have your own exposure to toxins, whether they're emotional, mental, or physical, or spiritual. And then your willingness to get rid of those toxins, your body's ability to do it, your mind's ability to do it. And then you have your digestive health. And what if you have leaky gut, or if you have the, (laughs) like I said, you're putrefying, rotting your story instead of digesting it. And then the, the last one is dealing with your trauma. Boy, the sun is out in Seattle, which right now is very unusual, and it's creating a halo effect. It's here. beautiful. You have. I <laughs> wish everybody. This is just audio, but Dr. Keisha has this mo- most beautiful glow, this radiance. She looks like a complete and total angel right here. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was video, so, and I didn't want it to be distracting. It's like, so. <laughs> no, she, yes, and we're hearing such such wisdom. So it's so perfect to see these <laughs> to see this on you know. So what I you. engaged okay. in for myself was I I started started addressing the fact that when I came home from my long runs, I was actually allergic to gluten and dairy and didn't know it. And I was also a sugar addict. Ugh, 
mm-hmm. in the, the, the most classic way someone can be a sugar addict. I hadn't realized that either. And so I started getting underneath all of that. And then I worked on healing my leaky gut. And then I started doing some genetic testing and figuring out ways that I was mismatched in my genes with my liver detoxification pathways and things like that. And then I I actually, at the same time, I always say you have to do all four of these at the same time if you want to really turn it around quickly. I entered into trauma work with EMDR and brain spotting and clinical hypnotherapy. Just And I got training in all of those and certified in all of them. And I'm still, I'm writing a book on healing trauma right now. And I'm still learning and working on my own things. Like I, I don't think of there's a destination called done. And a lot of people look for that. When am I going to be done? You know, and, and I just laugh. Oh, I haven't been there yet. So I'm not sure. <laughs> You're still breathing, aren't you? <laughs> <We're not done. laughs> as far as I can see from the way life is showing up, for me, you are always going to be challenged and you're always going to have to find out new skills and have mentorship. And then that's where wisdom comes from. And so, you know, I, I eventually, I found myself and called to India, I went to India and this forgiveness practice downloaded to me when I was in the cave meditating. And I've been using it and teaching it ever since then. And it was a game changer for me because what it did was move me because as a Pitta person and this is this is the way we're wired if you're fiery I was really good at sitting in judgment of people that were weak and lazy and couldn't actually do their stuff right and you know and which included my vice principal you know Mm it's like how can someone do that to a child that had, so I had to go through that self-righteous justified anger, right? Which was justified. There's no one, when someone's betrayed you, there's no way that, that you can say that your anger is not justified. Of course it is, Mm -hmm. but what Mm -hmm. is it serving? And is it obscuring the fact that you too have been a perpetrator? So this forgiveness practice actually brings that home. And it was the thing that really, I believe in that time in my life probably saved me because Mm -hmm. I was unable to see, I was just like all of my patients when I hear them say, I would never do that to another person, you know? And whenever you hear that happening inside, you know, you're in trouble because that means you've just set yourself up as different from the other. And you're in judgment of them, which means that you're going to keep moving in this loop of perpetrator, victim, rescuer, perpetrator, victim, rescuer over and over and over again, and probably not recognizing your own role as perpetrator. And I love the distinction because it's, it's so true. You look at, and you say, I would never do this. And that's so hurtful, harmful, hateful. And how could they do that? And forgiveness says for your benefit and, you know, and your healing, forgive. So that's, the that's thing, amazing. The that thing that this presence. practice taught me, which is, it was so subtle and, and that's why I mean, it's life-changing is because it moves outside of the behavior. So while I would never, I can safely say at this point in my life and, and never have, and never will sexually abuse a child, right? I can say that. Mm-hmm. I would never do that. And I could mm-hmm. I could rest in the truth of that. That is accurate. Mm-hmm. 
But when you really do this practice well, what you're doing is you're looking not at the behavior that was perpetrated against you, at the actual betrayal itself in behavior terminology. You're looking at the character trait or the ego trait of the one who hurt you and what drove them to conduct that behavior. And so, mm -hmm. so when I listed my vice principal's traits that I thought probably drove him to the behavior, they were bigotry for sure. You know, that was one. Another one was a misuse of power. We'll just use those two for now. Mm -hmm. um, and I put cruelty, you know. And so, so then the way this practice I was taught in this cave was then you look at the person across from you that you have pulled up in your heart lights and you say, okay, so you're reflecting back to me, cruelty, bigotry, and misuse of power. How do I do those? Mm. It's not child molestation. So what is it? So bigotry, mm -hmm. that one actually was the hardest one for me because I was a Navy brat, lived all over the world. Here I was in mm -hmm. India, you know, I mean, I, I figured like global humanity was my family and my home and I didn't think in terms of bigotry and I could not find it for the longest time. I used that one last because I couldn't find it. I said, I am not a bigot. And then, mm -hmm. then I realized it just slammed over me and I was like, oh, <laughs> I said, oh, I'm so intolerant of people that are intolerant. I'm basically wow. a bigot against people that are bigots. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. There it, it is. Was there it was. Such yeah. a revelation. And I went, Oh, this keeps me on the judgment side of looking for people to be intolerant against others. I'm always looking for people that are underdogs and rescuing them and running in to mm -hmm. save them and taking up the cause. Doesn't mean that I shouldn't be an activist or do all the things that I considered important. But to judge at the same time was therein the problem. So I went, oh my gosh. And then misuse of power was so fast. I could find that one so easily because I'm a mother of four children. <laughs> and I was just like, oh yeah, I've misused my power plenty of times, right? With dysfunctional parenting. I could find a million of them right away. And I went, oh gosh. And you know what I love about this? It, it's by looking at yourself, there's, there's so much potential to to learn and grow and of course to heal. So I can't believe we're out of time. Give us some parting parting words. What do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? So the thing to know is just to really watch your language as in, in how you tell your story. That's what I'm listening for as I emerge into the world through my words. I'm always watching the words that I use, how I'm using them, feeling I have in my body. And if I find, and I do, I find it still. Um, when I debrief something with my husband, I can hear victim in there. And I go, oh, there it is again, right? Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. I'll look at that and, and trace it back and feel how old does this little one feel right now? And she needs some reparenting and she needs to know that I have her back. And she needs to know that this is not that anymore. And so it's, it's really just watching your language and how you show up in the world in terms of are you, are you showing up in a way that is to your authentic, vulnerable, compassionate, self-compassionate self or in a way that other people think you should or in a way that is an image that you're trying to protect. You know, all of those 
come apart very subtly, step by step by step. It is definitely not a light switch off and on. And I find that the easiest way to track it is through your language. Beautiful. And where do we learn more about you? DrKeisha.com. Okay, perfect. And there you have it, everybody. I mean, this is your hearing. This is this is what healing sounds like. This is what it looks like. It's doing the work. It's never giving up. It's always moving forward. And you shared so many amazing nuggets. Do you know what the name of your book is going to be or when it's going to be out so we can be sure to get it? I don't. I think publisher actually gets the last word on this. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> All right. Well, we're, we're definitely going to be looking out for it. Thank you so much. I so appreciate you and the wonderful work you do. Thank you. You too, Dr. Debbie. Wow. Just wow. <laughs> there were so many great points Dr. Keisha shared, and I love how she pursued different philosophies to match what she intuitively knew to be true, like studying Ayurvedic medicine when she realized we're not all the same, and then how willing she was to change her routine to change how her body and mind had been responding to what she was physically, mentally, and emotionally feeding it. Stay in touch with Dr. Keisha by going to drkeisha.com and we'll have all of her information in the show notes at pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. When we match a pill to the ill or have our worth meter on the outside versus the inside, it's a recipe for illness and pain. Instead, when we understand our unique genetic makeup, when we rid ourselves of the toxins, that's the physical, mental, emotional toxins, when we improve our digestive health and deal with our traumas, we can not only heal, we can transform. And keep in mind, we're never done. Life is a continual process of learning and growth, and that's exactly what makes it so interesting. Know what else is interesting? Yep, the post-betrayal syndrome quiz <laughs> you can take at pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz and the PBT Institute membership community. Imagine everything you need to become your physical, mental, and emotional best. Community support, certified coaches and practitioners you could schedule time with, daily classes on all kinds of interesting topics, curated experts teaching advanced strategies in the areas of health, mindset, spirituality, personal development. Imagine the most friendly, welcoming, and supportive place to become your best, all online. I'm so excited to welcome you. Just go to thepbtinstitute.com forward slash join to learn more. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.